You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 98. I'm so happy you're with us today. And today the title of the show is Jesus and Meditation. And so we're going to be looking at and answering the question and discussing in some detail, did Jesus meditate and did he teach his disciples meditation? And as we get started, I want to remind you, I want to let you know that today's show is brought to you by my book, Miracles in Mark. Miracles in Mark is a study of all the miracles and all the supernatural things that Jesus did in Mark's gospel. And as we're going to see in our in our talk today, as we talk about Jesus in meditation, that, that really the key to everything that Jesus did was his prayer life. And the result of that prayer life were the miracles and the signs that he did. Now, it's easy to say, well, Jesus was God. Of course he did miracles. But you know what? It was much more than that because Jesus was also a man and he came to show us how to live. And so Miracles in Mark goes into detail and talks about the miracles and the things that Jesus did, what they meant for those that he performed them for, but also what they mean for us. Uh, Miracles in Mark is designed to help you get farther in your Bible study, but it's also designed for group Bible study. So it'll help you as an individual. It'll also help you in your small groups. There's many churches in uh, various places throughout the world that have used Miracles in Marks and Miracle in Mark in their their small groups and have just reported awesome results. And, and I would encourage you to take a look at the book. There'll be a link in the show notes, Miracles in Mark. Grab a copy. I know you'll love it. Well, today we're talking about, as we said, Jesus in meditation. And you know, the title for the show might be just a little bit deceiving because, you know, there's a couple of ways to look at meditation. You know, in many non-Christian circles, New Age, Eastern religion type circles, Jesus is seen as just another Eastern holy man, another guru, if you will. He's seen as just another guide to point people towards the truth. In some New Age circles, it's believed that Jesus actually practiced and taught transcendental meditation to his followers. There's a girl in our church in Curitiba who came to Christ a couple of years ago, but she came out of a very strong New Age background. She actually went on several trips to India to study with spirit guides and gurus and to help her get farther in her her quest for the truth. And they taught meditation, and they taught her that Jesus taught meditation. But you know what she found was everywhere she went, Jesus' name popped up as, as a guide, as one to listen to. So for her, hearing you know pretty much every teacher that she had 
would refer back to Jesus in some way, she began to take a closer look at Jesus. And she found that um, with her Catholic upbringing, when she started to meditate, she began to remember the prayers of her Catholic faith. And even though she wasn't an active Catholic or a practicing Catholic, the liturgy that she had been forced to learn would come to her, would invade her subconscious when she began to meditate. And ultimately, this led to her finding Christ and becoming a, a an awesome young Christian woman. But, you know, the New Testament never shows Jesus in meditation in the sense that we think of it today, especially in the sense of transcendental meditation. There's no, no description of him assuming a lotus position and, and you know, kind of uh, becoming one with the universe. The biblical understanding of, of meditation is very different from that of Eastern religions. Um, in Eastern religions, meditation is looked at as the, the emptying of the mind. Biblical meditation involves actively thinking about something, such as a passage of Scripture or the attributes of God. Prayer and meditation on Scripture often go hand in hand. You know, it's interesting that in the, the Old Testament, the Old Testament was written in the language, the, the Hebrew language. And what's, what's interesting is that the word for meditation is the exact same word that we would use in an agricultural sense or for a farmer describing a cow chewing its cud. Now, if you've been around a farm, you know, if you grew up in the city, you may not know this, but if you, you grew up on a farm, you know that a cow will often regurgitate its food, and then chew it some more. Now, this is not real appetizing, not real pleasant to think about, but this is the same word for meditation in the Hebrew. The idea of a cow regurgitating its food, chewing on it, chewing on it, chewing on it, swallowing it, at some point bringing it up again, chewing on it some more, because this is what it has to do to, to help with the digestion process. So what does this have to do with meditation? Well, in a spiritual sense, in a Christian sense, in a, in a, in a biblical sense, we do the same thing. Um, Christian meditation involves spiritually regurgitating, if you will, spiritual truth, scripture, um, thoughts about God, things that you're, you're pondering. You bring them up, you think about them, you chew on them some more, you see what, you, what new truth you can get out of it, and then later on, you do it again. This is what Christian meditation actually is. Now, when we talk about meditation, there was a very real sense in which Jesus did meditate, just not in the, the Eastern religion sense. <clears throat> Excuse me. The New Testament provides numerous examples of Jesus pulling away by himself to pray, rest, and refresh himself in his spirit, soul, and body. You know, the first place that we see this is in the temptation story. If you've read the New Testament, you know that right before Jesus started his public ministry, he went away and spent 40 days in the, the Judean wilderness fasting and praying and preparing himself for his ministry. Now, our church is just coming off a 21-day fast. And, you know, a 21-day fast is a long time, and most people aren't fasting completely. Most people are fasting a meal a day or something specific in their lives that they're giving up for 21 days. But Jesus, the, the Scripture indicates Jesus was a, was a full-on fast, probably just water only, for 40 days. And it was during this time that, 
that, uh, that he was tempted by the enemy in several areas. And it's very likely that Jesus intended to spend these 40 days of prayer and fasting to prepare him for his upcoming ministry. But instead, Matthew and Luke especially go into great detail about the spiritual battle that Jesus ended up engaging with, with Satan. Now, this clearly um, did not end up being the time of prayer that Jesus was looking for. But the spiritual struggle, this time of, of pulling aside to pray and fast and, yes, meditate in the Christian sense, filled Jesus with the Holy Spirit's power when he returned to Galilee. It says that when he returned from this time in the wilderness, he was full of the Holy Spirit. He started his ministry full of the Holy Spirit. Another place in the New Testament that we see Jesus retreating to be by himself was in Mark one thirty four. This is early in his ministry, and it says that before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Now, this seemed to be a regular habit for Jesus, this pulling aside to pray. In several other passages, he's seen withdrawing to, to be by himself and pray. Another notable example is, is during Jesus' ministry. This was right before he made one of the most important decisions of his ministry. You know, Jesus had 12 followers, but how did he get those 12 followers? Well, he picked them. He hand-picked them. And these were the men, these 12, with the exception of Judas who betrayed him. These 11 um, eventually became the men, the pillars of the early church and took Christianity throughout the Roman Empire. But these men were picked, they were designated after Jesus spent a night in prayer. It says that one day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray and he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be the apostles. So this, show, this passage shows Jesus spending an extended time in prayer before making a very important decision. Another example is after the miraculous feeding of the 5,000, you know, one of the most famous stories in the New Testament, Jesus feeds, um, actually it was over 5,000. When we say 5,000, it just numbered the men. The women and the children actually didn't count. But, you know, this could have been fifteen or even 20,000 people that Jesus fed with five loaves of bread and two fish. And it says that after this, Jesus went up into the hills by himself to pray. Another version of the same story in John's Gospel, chapter 6, shows the crowd wanting to take Jesus by force after he fed them. After he fed them, they were so happy, they wanted to take him and make him their king, make him their Messiah. But this wasn't why Jesus had come. So withdrawing into the hills to pray was likely to help him stay focused on what his true mission was. I mean, listen, let's never forget Jesus was God, but he was also man. And if he allowed the crowd to take him and make him a king, he would have been shortcutting God's plan. So this time of withdrawing to pray was likely a time to help him refocus and remind himself what his mission really was. And then one last example of Jesus withdrawing to pray and probably even to meditate in the Christian sense, is seen on the night before he was crucified. He went to one of his favorite places, the Garden of Gethsemane, near the Mount of Olives. And it was there that he prayed his famous prayer, Father, 
If it's possible, please let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Jesus knew in these moments that he was about to face tremendous suffering. And he prepared himself by quieting his heart and talking to God. Now, while these examples of Jesus pulling away to be by himself and to pray do not fit the traditional model of meditation in the Eastern religion sense, they do fit the model of meditation that Christian mystics participated in in early church history. Many of these Christian mystics fasted and prayed for long periods of time. Many of them also withdrew to isolated locations to devote themselves in prayer and to the study of the scriptures. The biggest difference between these Christian mystics and Jesus, however, was the fact that Jesus didn't stay in the wilderness. He didn't stay isolated. After he withdrew, prayed, meditated, spent his time with God, he then returned to the ministry that God had called him to. Now, question for you. Is meditation a prayer is meditation and prayer a part of your regular routine? How do you meditate? Do you regularly pull aside and spend time in God with God in quietness? Do you have this time of of, of regurgitating and thinking back over God's word and chewing on it and meditating on it? Well, I'd love to hear from you. Go to davidspell.com and let me know how you meditate as a Christian. Let me know um, how you meditate on the scripture and the, the attributes and the, and the things of God. Let me know what works for you. Let me know what doesn't work for you. Let me know where your struggles are. I'd love to, to dialogue with you. Everybody that comments, I try and answer. So um, davidspell.com, leave a question or comment in the comments section for today's post. And while you're at davidspell.com, make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter. I send out three blogs a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and by subscribing, they come right into your inbox. You don't have to go looking for them. Subscribers also get my free subscribers-only newsletter that is full of extra leadership tips, news, and pictures about what Annie and I are doing in Brazil, and also... My subscribers are the first ones to know about new projects that I'm involved in, and I've got some great new projects coming up that you're going to want to hear about. So make sure you subscribe. DavidSpell.com, I know you'll love it. And if you enjoy this podcast, go to iTunes and give me a review. It helps so much, and share it with a friend. Well, thanks for being with me today. Until next time, this is David Spell encouraging you to pursue your passion. Thank you.